Hello everyone and welcome to the Lisa Burke Show where as always I have a studio full of wonderful, wonderful guests. Sasha, welcome back from skiing. Hello, nice to be back. I hope you had a lovely holiday. It was wonderful. Oh good, oh good. I'm glad I'm glad you had a lovely holiday skiing. And to keep on the cold theme, we have the people who brought the Wim Hof method to Luxembourg, who are Giorgio and Severin. We're going to hear more about everything that you do here in Luxembourg during the course of this chat. And we've got Dr. Mitu Storoni who is going to tell us about the science of this and we'll also talk about her fabulous book, which I'll just hold up if you're watching on RTL Play. It's called Stress Proof and she is in the middle of writing, well, near the end of writing, her new book, which will be released next year. So we've got a, a really packed show. And uh, welcome if you're watching us on RTL Play. It's great to have you with us. If you're listening on RTL Today Radio, great to have you as we move into our second year. And of course, as always, this in fact started as a podcast on Apple and Spotify. You can still find us there and you can subscribe. Please subscribe because it really helps the show to be found by others in Luxembourg and beyond. So, Sasha, starting with a little reflection of the week's news. So, yes, I mean, it is our first anniversary. So I thought we were allowed to have a a little intro that, uh, you know, RTL Today Radio has been going for just over a year. I know. I know your show has been going for longer, of course. Yes, that's true. In fact, this show, um, even though it's changed names, I didn't call it the Lisa Burke Show. That sounds quite big headed. I didn't call it. That was, that was the name given to me. Um, but yeah, it started as a podcast uh, before radio was even an idea. So I'm so delighted we now have radio as a, a vehicle, another vehicle for information giving with RTL Today. Yeah, it's exciting. And now there's also a new thing that this radio player is a new app. So you can actually listen to all the Luxembourgish uh, stations in one app and RTL Today Radio is one of them. So I, I think, you know, it's moving forwards. But I was really interested because you are the one of the founders is, you know, is this what you saw coming that we would have a radio station that's been going for a year? Oh, uh, yeah. No, RTL Today was, well, when I came to Luxembourg, I thought we need a place where we have news under one umbrella. And um, it was really nice to have the opportunity to to help create RTL Today, um, firstly on the website. Radio was not there as an idea at the start, but giving a mission of some sort, giving a vehicle to shows of some sort was definitely an idea. We thought it might be in video format. And yes, we have sort of video format now with RTL Play. So media is just changing so fast. The landscape of media is changing so fast. I think the only way to do it is to try to cover all platforms. And of course, social media is a huge vehicle too. So we just try to tick the boxes of wherever people find us and we try to give our audience the information they want. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that was our first little, you know, we've been here for a year. We're having our birthday party tonight, aren't yes, we? we are. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Thank you. So this is a very special show for us and it's so nice to be sharing it with you. Such an honour to be here. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so we're very very happy, and indeed, as you mentioned, RTL, uh, sorry, radioplayer.lu is is really wonderful because it it will be uh, an app where you can find all of Luxembourg's radio stations, which means that it's easier to play whatever you want to change. Of course, we don't mind; we love our competition, <laughs> but do listen to us too. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, while you're driving or out and about or dog walking, as I always am, it's all. Also, the anniversary for free public transport. 
Yes, exactly. So this week we had the three-year anniversary of free public transport. So there was quite a lot of media around, you know, reflecting on how successful it's been. Luxembourg is obviously very proud that they were the first country in the world to introduce free public transport. And I had a little look at whether they've inspired other countries. So far, Malta uh, is is offering free transport and otherwise only cities. I mean, you know, we can do it in Luxembourg because it's quite a wealthy country and it's very small, yeah. uh, obviously. <laughs> But um, so like the city of Calais and there's a city in Belgium, Hasselt, which is offering free public transport. But I think it has revolutionised Luxembourg. You know, the the amount of people using the tram, for example. Yes, the statistics are extraordinary. The jumps in figures. Yes, exactly. I mean, it, you know, it, it was during COVID, so obviously uh, the, the the first couple of years. So the the jump is huge since since then, when people you know people have gone back to work. And just to give that, that's right. But in December twenty eighteen, which was pre COVID, there was an average of let's say twenty thousand people using the tram per week, and in December twenty twenty two, it's nearly ninety thousand using it per yeah, week. It's really staggering. Yeah staggering jump. So that's that's great. I mean, I think it's something that Luxembourg can rightly be proud of. Um, but it's also been mixed with um, looking ahead. You know, what's, what's going to happen in the future? You know, our, um, the, the, obviously the tram is being extended. The government is saying 2024 is the year of the tram because when it joins with the airport and with uh, Cloche d'Or. But it's also giving, I think, um, town planners an opportunity to think, well, where are we going to be in 30 years' time? Yeah. Um, you know, Luxembourg wants uh, a million people to to live here, and uh, they they think that by in thirty years' time there will be f- half a million cross border workers coming into Luxembourg. Yeah. So you're really having to plan. Transportation so, is massive. Yes, important. you know, as we know, yeah. we report on sort of traffic jams every day coming <laughs> from France and Belgium, despite the infrastructures. So. Um, I saw very exciting ideas about over overland trains and and in fact sort of uh, like sort of hanging uh, cable you know like cable cars <laughs> Tarzan to work. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope some of it uh, come really does come. Into I have fruition. a funny story actually this week. I was you know as one does driving my daughters around <clears throat> taking my usual route and uh, the, at a train line and suddenly without any warning on the road up to it it was blocked entirely blocked and I thought oh my God, I'm going to have to kind of reroute entirely. And then I thought, oh, oh, maybe this road is open now because they'd been building a new road underpass, uh, which had taken a number of months. And it was. Suddenly there was this huge new route open without any kind of uh, fanfare at all. And I thought to myself, I said to my daughters, why have they Why have they built this road? Is it simply to avoid the train track? And I really uh, said, yes, yes, of course it is. I was thinking, this would have cost millions. <laughs> Huge, yes. <laughs> to just avoid one. Well, there we go. So uh, it, it's funny, like l- literally you can be living in a place and and one day there'll be another road open. Right? It's well, amazing. We're used, to, we're used to kind of uh, traffic works everywhere, aren't we, in yeah. construction sites. And so suddenly when it's open, you're like, oh, it takes yeah. you by surprise. It's it actually did. been done. <laughs> it was extraordinary. I mean, it was actually really exciting. <laughs> anyway, moving on to things a little bit more serious, the uh, tripartite meetings. Yes, I mean, it's it's taking place this morning. This is this very unique uh, way that Luxembourg uh, operates uh, on, a, on a political level is is that they, the government meets with employers and trade unions to discuss uh, like wage indexation and tax relief. Um, and so they, they're meeting again today. They're, it's the third time they're meeting in, in 12 months. Um, and all eyes are 
you know, on the negotiations that take place, because obviously we've got elections coming up later in the year and people are really worried about inflation. Um, So once the state aid runs out at the end of this year, they're really worried that inflation will really rise in in 2024. So that's what this is about. You know, it's a a bit boring, to be honest, but but very important. But there is this whole kind of side story about the indexation of the tax table. And I had to read this article and adjoining articles a couple of times to kind of understand what it's about. It's not the most obvious thing. Actually, Michu, I think your husband, who is quietly sitting in the corner, might understand it very well indeed. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to throw you into the deep end. But I did actually have to read it uh, a few times and uh, read what the Idea Foundation is saying about the indexation of the tables to ensure neutrality of the tax system with respect to inflation, etc. Well, then you you are much better informed than me because I have to admit that I have not gone into the nitty gritty of, of these kind of agreements. and the, the It's quite facts. clever. And um, I think, you know, we need to be careful as people as well, because we might think these indexations are, are lovely if you're employed and you just get them automatically. But But there's a whole background to it there that is worth digging into a little bit, actually. Yeah. More on that then. I when, think when so. When we have the results, yeah. then we should really look into it because it Yeah. I'm I'm always very impressed by the fact that it's that they're they're all talking to each other. So I you know, unlike <laughs> other countries or especially the UK, yeah. you come out and you know, the unions and employers, you know, they 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 only find a, a, an agreement. Once, you know, people have gone on strike, they, they never seem to negotiate. And I think this this model of, of government employers and way, and um, trade unions is quite unique, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's more on the sort of German strong. principle that the, mm. German, that the unions are strong and that they really take their opinions into consideration before just kind of rolling out uh, yeah. state aid or tax reliefs or, you know, whatever wage indexations. I suppose it's a little bit like lobbying without using that word. Yes. <laughs> Well, you mentioned the UK. We have the Northern Ireland Windsor framework almost completed. It's on its way. It's on its way and uh, and it has been I think greeted with some enthusiasm and some optimism. Not by Boris Johnson. Not by Boris Johnson, <laughs> but that's probably a very good thing, you know. That I, they say this this will really be the the end of his political career because I think he has been watching from the sidelines and interfering with British politics. And uh, the current <laughs> Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is 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 quite undermined by I would imagine by him visiting Ukraine or getting involved in in, in d- issues with Northern Ireland, and this is the first time he's actually, I think, achieved something on his own terms, and and that that's huge. Is that negotiating with the EU has become friendlier mm-hmm. and more possible, and the EU has actually moved their position because I think when they were negotiating with Johnson, they were absolutely <laughs> saying this is our position, and from here we will not negotiate at all. So. It says a lot about how to communicate. I have a lovely quote here um, from Sunak, who told the audience um, that his deal would create the world's most exciting economic zone with access to both EU and UK markets. So it really is actually a very exciting boundary. Well, I think for Northern Ireland, this is this potentially could be fantastic. They they are not in the EU, but they had they they will be able to receive goods, as far as I understand, uh, f- from the EU and 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 from the UK. And and I would imagine this is going to make them a real centre. Yeah. So only g- 
uh, goods will only have customs if they go from the UK and are um, aimed at the EU main market. So most things will go through the green lane in the customs union and this this will be fantastic for, the, for Northern Ireland. But It'll brighten up know, the day of customs officers there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and of course there is there the the DUP the the, the nationalist uh, party in Northern Ireland uh, have major reservations, and it has to you know it has to be passed by lawmakers both yeah. in the UK and the EU member countries. So let's see, but it, it it's a, a little bit more positive news on on this dreadful thing that was Brexit. To be yeah. honest, yeah, of course, and and uh, you know, and twenty five years since the agreements in Northern Ireland. Um, you know, which which were in jeopardy because mm-hmm. because of Brexit. Yeah. Now, moving to something where I think it, it is a focus for all of us here present because you're wonderfully knowledgeable about health. There's a health study that's come out this week. And um, what I love about this is the preciseness of the 11 minute walk a day. <laughs> Yes, I thought this was such <laughs> me too is great laughing. news. Well, I have to say, me too. We had a conversation yesterday, and this reminds me of one of the one of the things you said to me, which is that in every headline there's a snippet of that's a big snippet that's been <laughs> taken off. <laughs> oh, tell us more. Tell you might know much more about this eleven minute walk. Well, you know, you have to. The problem is if you want to always demonstrate a headline, you have to take averages. And the human system isn't an average. And how walking affects any human being depends on such a variety of factors. So, yeah, I mean, walk by all means. If 11 (laughs) minutes is all that can be managed, great. But please don't stop. (laughs) I think it was particularly good news, maybe for people who felt that the the advice to, to... uh, spend 150 minutes a week exercising that they don't reach it and I think a lot of people then just give up and say I, I, I haven't got time I can't do this amount of exercise whereas 11 minutes maybe is a more achievable goal I mean it's a very small goal but if if it really I don't know whether it does find that one in 10 early deaths can be prevented with only that amount of exercise I, I realize it's a headline but it's 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 quite a positive. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, message. I mean, it's, it's very interesting with exercise because, um, you know, as over the last, I won't even say decades, let's say hundreds of years, we have made our lives so convenient that we've shaved off movement completely from our daily lives. And it's not so much that exercise actually benefits us. It's exercise is a part of or moving is a part of our existence. Now that we've shaved it away, we're experiencing the negative effects. Now we're adding it back in to get back to normal and we're seeing that as an extra, as an, oh, you know, we have to take this box because we've sadly, without thinking, shaved it off. So it's a very, you know, it's a very interesting concept um, that exercise is something that's formally done. You know, I mean, when I think when I was young, certainly, I used to get up and post a letter in a letterbox, right? We didn't have when I was very young, I didn't have email. And these days, that bit of work is completely gone. Um, you know, think of answering the phone, you, you had to get up and answer the phone. And at That's the true. moment, yeah. you don't do that. So all these, you know, gentle bits of exercise of movement that you do throughout the day are completely gone. And we know that slow movement actually reduces cortisol levels, it, it kind of it acts as a buffer for cortisol. So we've eliminated slow movement. 
and hence we are all stressed. And now we think, oh, look, exercise <laughs> is the solution, which it is. I'm not, I'm not saying it isn't. But, you know, any movement is good. And um, just really, as you say, yes, if you can't move at all, 11 minutes is fine. But mm. yeah. Very well put. It reminds me of the lives of those who live in these blue zones that we read about, where people have you live long life and they don't go to exercise classes. They don't do uh, push-ups, press-ups or whatever. Maybe they do. But generally, their lives are active and they're just out and about, walking about and often up and down hilly places as well. Corsica, for instance. So, um yeah, so I, I was actually in a blue zone a few months ago for, for a for for a project, um, and I was in a place called a Seulo in Sardinia, which is um, made famous by Dan Butner and his amazing work on the blue zones. Um, and who has, by the way, recommended this book? I've seen his introductory notes, <laughs> and I recommend, I highly recommend his work, and his he's been a real inspiration to me for for a long time. In this place, Seulo, it's up in the mountains and you have centenarians going up and down without any complaint and doing the kind of work that I would find quite difficult. So it really is true. Um, it's such an integral, but they don't see it as exercise. They have to do it. Otherwise, they don't eat. There's no other it, option. Otherwise, there's no food. There's no other option. There's no one else to look after them. And so they're kind of nudged into doing it by their environment. Uh, maybe, Lisa, what is also interesting about the 11 minutes, because 11 minutes is actually also a, a time that uh, people ask us, how, many, how much time do we need to stay in the ice or how much time do we have to do cold exposure? And there is uh, some interesting research being done uh, by Susanna Suberg, I think mm -hmm. she is her name. It's a Danish woman. And she recommends, based on studies, that 11 minutes per week of cold exposure is very good for the cardiovascular system. So that's 11 minutes at once? No, so you can oh. really decide yourself. <laughs> well, you, 11 minutes at once would be a little bit uh, let's Tough, say, challenging, let's say. especially the first time. Yeah. But you can, you can slice it up in uh, yeah, 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes. And it's actually a study which has been uh, conducted not such a long time ago. It's really interesting to see. Because that's often the question that people ask us after the workshop. Okay, what is the perfect amount of time uh, to do cold exposure. So 11 minutes is coming back also also here. Well, now that we've heard your voices, I think I need to introduce who you are a little bit more in depth to our audience. And and please, Sasha, jump in here because yeah. I know you told me this morning that your son is an aficionado of the cold shower. Oh, yes. He's, he's, he's a big fan of the Wim Hof method and all things to do with breathing. Did he manage to inspire you already or not? Uh, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you'll be inspired today, Sasha. You're, Did you're you just... notice I'm wearing my ice blue um, nails oh, right, and my yeah. ice cube necklace yes. in, in, you know, in honour of you? It was green oh, on, on Sunday. It was green. Yeah. It was green. You see, I changed it just for you for this show. <laughs> so, Giorgio Bruns and Severin Daniel from BU bringing the Wim Hof method to Luxembourg and Dr. Mitu Storoni, an eye surgeon and neuroscientist now author. Now, you two, I'm going to turn to you to introduce yourselves, but a little bit more on Mitu, an eye surgeon neuroscientist, now author, interested in how to navigate the mind in our information-laden digital world. You dig deep into a huge amount, I mean, incredible amounts of varied research. You digest it, link the pieces, and then smoothly relate it to us via your wonderful books. So the first book, let me just reach for it again and show the camera, Stress Proof, go out and buy it. Uh, you can buy it in Luxembourg. Um, it's published by 
Penguin Random House 2017 and explore the spectrum of chronic stress from a multidimensional perspective. And currently you're working on your new book, Hyper Efficient, which will be published next year. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Now, the reason I didn't introduce you two is because I heard your introduction when you very kindly invited me to try out uh, your first session last Sunday and I did it. And well, we'll talk about that more. But please tell us a little bit more about you. I mean, you are a mechanical engineer by background and you were an HR consultant by background, but you completely changed your lives. That's so correct. tell us about that change. Yeah, so basically uh, I've been working for 20 years uh, in something else, which was uh, going from mechanical engineering towards a banker for the past, I think, eight years. Um, and now what, I, what we do now is to uh, to help people to, um, to understand and to feel that they are much stronger than they think. And I was really happy that you uh, accepted the challenge to come to one of our workshops because uh, it's, it's not always easy to go a little bit out of your comfort zone. Uh, that's <laughs> also a big opportunity to learn something about yourself. So, yeah, we created uh, the company BU uh, two years ago already. And we are helping uh, yeah, uh, people in... Um, in companies, individuals, but also athletes to uh, improve their performance and their mental and physical well-being. But the reason I wanted to ask you to explain a bit more about your background, if you don't mind, is because in this wonderful workshop, you were very personal about it. And you were, if you want to share with our audience today, you were very personal about the time in your life where you made that change yourself. Correct, yeah. So um, uh, I'll I'll explain uh, for myself. So uh, in 2018, it was a difficult year. I think we all go through difficult moments in in life. Uh, 2018 was mine, uh, hitting rock bottom. Um, You know, uh, uh, demanding work, uh, also a situation at home with with children. And um, I think I was burned out, but I was too proud to admit it, uh, like often men do. (laughs) I think men need to hit a real big wall before they understand that something needs to change. So, yeah, I was basically, my body was just shutting down. So I was uh, getting infections on my throat every week, uh, not sleeping, uh, having problems with my stomach. And, you know, when you have those kinds of symptoms, you go to see a doctor, of course. So uh, yeah, I went to my doctor and the doctor maybe go through, I don't know how many um, exams, but a lot. And they said, yeah, we, we can't find anything, uh, Georgios, but uh, it must be uh, stress-related. So what do you do with that? You go home and you have your big bag of, of medicines. Because once you take medicine for one thing, of course, you take another one to compensate for the bad um, influences of the first medicine. So I had a full bag of medicines and I said to myself, this is not normal. I'm 40 years old, always done a lot of sports. I can't just feel like this. I need to do something. And that's when uh, Severine, she invited me to uh, yeah, to a workshop, a Wim Hof workshop in Ireland. So I'm For his birthday. Oh, <laughs> what a wonderful gift to go to it Ireland. It was a birthday <laughs> present, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we went to Ireland and I, I knew about the Wim Hof method because um, I'm, I was born in, in the Netherlands. So Wim Hof, obviously, he's Dutch, uh, but he was known a little bit as the, let's say, the crazy man of the village, let's say, <laughs> at least in the beginning, uh, because of his uh, yeah, daring feats that he was, was doing. So I knew about him only yeah, from that point of view. So I went uh, doing this workshop. And uh, I was a little bit afraid of the cold, or a lot afraid of the cold, actually, <laughs> because I'm a person that really hates hated the cold. I have to correct myself. Uh, the, the person that would yeah swim in the Mediterranean Sea in the middle of the summer with a wetsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Especially all the English people were laughing at me because they are used to swim, of course, uh, all year round, almost in in cold in cold uh, cold seas. Um, yes, and we started with a cold bath, an ice bath. So that was for me. Uh, 
yeah, a big leap out of my comfort zone, let's say. But uh, something uh, happened, something switched in my in my body, and I could already feel after this first uh, ice bath, my body was reacting on something. Something has uh, had initiated some yeah, different processes in my body, and fortunately, we continued for three days with uh, yeah breathing techniques, different breathing protocols, but also with these cold showers and these cold uh, cold ice baths. And when I came back to Luxembourg, I continued doing that, and I felt my energy going up very quickly. Um, and basically, in three weeks, I've from a, let's say, physical point of view, I felt that I had gained my energy back, which was for me amazing because the six months before I was, yeah, I was difficulties getting out of bed, not sleeping, no energy at all, uh, really difficult trying to, to keep all the balls in the air. I so. just want to pause you there because again, me too, we've had the chance to speak um, and, you know, Giorgio really perfectly described that flip in his brain. Can you tell us scientifically, medically, what happened to him? So when we talk about things like chronic stress, when we talk about these kind of inexplicable or not necessarily inexplicable, but things that don't have a necessarily have a, have a conventional label you can attach to them, we are discovering that the vast majority of these are actually built on a skeleton of autonomic dysfunction. So the autonomic nervous system is a nerve network that is, as its name suggests, automatic. Um, but it is really the regulator of virtually everything we do that's involuntary, which means the majority of things. And it's got a parallel actually inside the brain, which is the, re which is, which is the regulator of things like noradrenaline. So from the point of view of physiology, so in terms of regulating your immune system, your, your digestion, your heart... We now know, you know, we can look at the heart and look at autonomic control of the heart to diagnose depression. That's how fundamental the autonomic nervous system is. And so it's really a regulator. It brings you into a middle and it, it, it needs, it's like, it's a little bit like a seesaw that it has to be stable. So, you know, if you're sitting down on the floor and you suddenly stand up, your autonomic nervous system has to kick in. You have to get a massive sympathetic push so that the blood doesn't stop not going to your brain. So you have this minute moment by moment regulation. And when you, you're in a situation that you describe, so under chronic stress, this seesaw regulation, so under high stress, under, under situations of demand, you need sympathetic one side of the seesaw has to tip down under situations of relaxation rest and digest kind of withdrawal the other side tips down and in a healthy body that seesaw regulation of the autonomic nervous system should be optimal but if the environmental parameters change and you're not giving yourself or your circumstances are preventing you from resteading that seesaw you're going to manifest in a variety of ways. So you mentioned digestion, you mentioned stomach issues, you mentioned infections. So we know um, a great paper from the 1990s um, pointed out how actually the autonomic nervous system has a huge role in inflammation. So sympathetic, as soon as you become a little bit wired, say you're getting emotional stress from colleagues at work, you do a blood test, you will see a sudden spike of inflammatory markers. That's how instantaneous and emotion-controlled 
regulation is. And the other thing that we spoke about yesterday, in fact, it was it really made me smile when you said you came back from the doctor who said, oh, this must be stress, that big bracket of like, we're not quite sure what it is, but <laughs> it's stress. <laughs> and actually, it sort of is stress. But you came back with all of these medicines. And in fact, it reminded me of the story you told me yesterday of a very famous man indeed, Charles Darwin, no less. That's right. That's right. So coming back to your point of, of getting the switch, what we know, well, what, what the research is, is gradually telling us is that that gentle regulation modulation becomes rusty. It's a bit like the seesaw becomes really stiff. And you might need an extreme push to summon that withdrawal. And this has been observed for a very long time. So Charles Darwin was a huge fan of cold showers and cold baths. So when he came back from his trip on HMS Beagle, he was riddled with diseases and they were not all infectious, at least we assume not, because he then went to this cold therapy centre, this water hydrotherapy or water cure vasakur centre in England in Malvern um, that had just been set up. And there he went through this series of experiences and he experienced the same switch, we think, that you did, because he then subsequently wrote letters saying how he feels so much better having gone through these cold showers. And he installed a cold shower in his home. And I think he also wrote to his nephew saying he couldn't believe this wasn't part of the medical system. Correct. Well, at the time, I mean, um, the medicines available weren't really of a great selection. Mercury was, was given incredibly often. Um, <laughs> but there was also, you know, this... this um, scepticism of really what is this you know why is it working we can't explain it and so people actually dismissed it as quackery but there were two doctors physicians who went from Germany to England to set the centre up who defended their position and people who couldn't get treatment actually exactly like yourself who couldn't find solutions in conventional medicine actually found that going into this autonomic stimulating experience in those days it wasn't called as such of course um, felt a lot better and so when the you know spa was criticized Darwin defended it fiercely and he said this is not quackery I really don't believe it is it really helped me and he wasn't alone Florence Nightingale Alfred Lord Tennyson also visited this yeah, maybe also to complete on what you're saying, I mean, uh, the human body is not built to sustain, like, for long uh, periods of time, a little bit of stress. Like, you she's talking about the seesaw, but the seesaw, it's very important that it goes to the to both extremes, you know, to be able to stay healthy. And um, that's something that we are, in these days, we don't do often anymore. And uh, especially when you when you have, like, a, you know, a routine in your work, in your day, we tend to keep um, this low level of stress and we are unable to... Yeah, to get down or to downregulate, and uh, to to get these two ends of the seesaw working both directions, and maybe also for for my personal case, I mean it's it's um, it's something that helped me enormously to get my energy back. But then of course there's a lot of work that you have to do. Okay, why did I get in this, t this situation? You know, it's it's also the way that you react because of your paradigms and the way that you think about life uh, that make you yeah um, end up in a situation like this where you get stuck in this, uh, let's say, nervous system uh, hold down. Uh, because yeah, afterwards, for myself, the year after, a couple of years after, 
I needed to do a lot of inner work to get uh, also those things sorted. So it's a really a combination of both working on the body, but also working on, okay, how can I see the world a bit differently and not react uh, in certain such ways that I, that I did before. Which you continued and you continued as a partnership, both of you together. So Severin, tell us a little bit about the journey. Uh, well, I mean, you coped with this. You've seen him stressed and you've seen the journey. So how has it been from your perspective watching him as an almost patient recovering? Yeah, but... Uh, looking at his um, at his uh, mindset, he completely changed as well. Not feeling sick. I mean, that was uh, a big change uh, in the daily life. Uh, but it had also a big impact uh, on us, on our lives. Um, that's why I mean, getting involved together in this journey as a Wim Hof Method instructor uh, saved us personally, uh, because as well myself. I mean, thanks to that methods. I mean, also when I practice. Uh, for the first time uh, during his um, his birthday present, um, I really could feel immediately a big change because I always had, since I was um, a kid, I had um, a weight on my chest and I uh, thought, yeah, I'm born like this. What is this? And even with my practice of yoga, it was not going away. And immediately it went uh, he went out. So. Well, in fact, you told us this incredible story yeah, and you yeah. mentioned heart yeah. rate. And yeah, in my heart rate, uh, when I'm on a resting mode, it decreased with 10 uh, pulse per, per minute, which was incredible. Uh, my cardiologist asked me, yeah, what did you change in your life? To, uh, to slow down like this. I said, yeah, I know what I changed. <laughs> yeah, and the great thing I learned in your wonderful workshop last weekend is that I thought, yeah, Wim Hof, um, it's all about the cold water, but it isn't all about cold water. It's about the breathing technique, which goes through so many cultural, I mean, we've got Tai Chi, you mentioned slow movement, we've got yoga, of course, you're a, a Bikram yoga teacher, amongst many other things that you manage to fit into your life. And you're also a yoga instructor. So tell us about the importance of breathing before you go into the cold water or ice bath. Yeah, there's this uh, specific protocol that we uh, use during the, the Wim Hof Method uh, workshops. Uh, and we uh, we go into the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system in order to regulate uh, them both. Um, and it's another protocol really to go uh, into uh, the ice bath. It's just going uh, much more uh, longer in your, in your XL in order to go into relax mode. Uh, before entering the, I've been the trying I have you in my mind every time I take a cold shower which I'm trying to do this week cold shower one side of the body first of all as you said then the <laughs> other side of the body and I'm just trying to focus on the exhales yes. on the mm -mm. exhales exactly. the toe. <laughs> <laughs> And, so, and does it work then? Yes, I have managed it. I mean, not for minutes and minutes, but but yeah, multiple least, seconds yeah, connected mm -hmm. <laughs> to one another. It's getting better. I, I am managing it. I'm not yet ready for a swim in the Atlantic, but... Um, <laughs> One day. <laughs> one day, one day. But I think we should kind of just circle back. And um, again, I mean, you write about it in your book and you to told us about it. So perhaps both of you can explain a little bit about who Wim Hof is and and what he had to do to gain traction. Because even nowadays, with all of the science and medicine we have, we don't know that much about his backstory, which is really very sad, actually, but also amazing. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so Wim Hof, he uh, he was always from a young age. He was interested in uh, yeah practice like yoga and uh, also connected to the nature. And he married a, a very beautiful girl from Spain, um, from the north of Spain, and he had four kids. But unfortunately, this his wife. Uh, she uh, she suffered from mental disease, and she committed suicide uh, when the kids were still very small. And he was very young. I think Wim Hof was like twenty six years old when this happened. So of course you can imagine that's. Uh, yeah, that's a huge tra- tragedy to stay behind with four kids. Uh, I think at the time also financially it was very difficult. So it uh, yeah it brought him into a situation where he didn't know how to cope. Um, so what did he do? He he went into the cold. Uh, I think it, it, he always uh, tells us this story that yeah one morning it was in the winter the uh, lakes were the lakes and the canals were, were frozen in, in the Holland, and he just was drawn towards the cold, drawn toward the lake. Yeah, he cut a hole and he went into it. And it was the first time since months after this tragedy that he could find some kind of relief, some kind of, let's say, peace inside. Um, and he went, he continued doing this and it really helped him to yeah, to put behind this, this strategy. Of course, you cannot recover completely from this, but uh, it, it allowed him to, to, to function again. And you need to function when you have four kids at home. You, you certainly do. Yeah, so he continued with that. And what is really interesting that um, he understood that it was not something very special only he could do. Uh, he, he was always convinced from the beginning that everybody could learn what he was doing. And that that put him on a path of uh, yeah showing the world what these techniques can 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 do and that's why he wanted to yeah break some records is that to gain traction to show exactly. yeah he yeah. had to he to get, to ran get serious to a be, marathon on ice in his bare feet or something like this didn't he and yeah. he walked up to what was a base camp of mount everest uh the dead zone <laughs> oh the dead zone yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> in what what was he wearing Shorts oh. and shoes. <laughs> that time he was wearing shoes, but on the half marathon, ice marathon, well, without uh, any shoes, and also um, swimming under the ice uh, for more than sixty meters, just with one apnea. And uh, I mean, we shorts, have. Huh? We do no, have no to say boots. to anybody listening: nobody should try this yeah. without understanding yeah. how to cope with it, yeah. because you might die if you just jump into freezing water. Exactly. And this method is not about breaking records. Huh? It was just to, like you said, huh, to to get some attraction and that he went into these Guinness records. Yeah, absolutely. Giorgio? What is actually really, really interesting about his method, like, like Severine says, it's really not about breaking records at all. It's really about exploring your, your personal, let's say, boundaries and make you, yeah, and you, 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 I think you experienced it also on Sunday. I did, because that's not my comfort zone, exactly. sitting in a nice yeah. bed. <laughs> And everybody's comfort zone is laying somewhere else. So for him, it's, obviously, it's very far away. And I think very few people may, I mean, are able to go what he, do what he did. But what is really interesting is that he wanted to get the science um, behind it. So he wanted to get the scientific community to uh, yeah to understand and to measure what's happening. Um, so there is actually a very interesting study uh, about that, which is, has been uh, conducted, the first one in 2011, uh, on himself, so they injected him with a dead bacteria, the E. coli uh, bacteria, which is, of course, it's a dangerous bacteria when it's alive. This was a dead one, but still, this bacteria will, of course, trigger the, the, the nervous system and the immune system to react. Normally, when you do this, you get uh, fever, you get uh, headaches, uh, you don't feel well, you might vomit. And they found out that actually he, by doing this breathing protocol, was not getting anything of those, let's say, acute inflammatory uh, response. So uh, they said, this is interesting because normally we're not supposed to influence our autonomic nervous system. system. That's why it's called autonomic. Uh, It's beyond our control. Uh, But actually with this uh, study, he was able to show that he can 
tap into this one. And then they said, yes, but you maybe are a freak of nature. You are a special person. Uh, you know, sometimes it happens that we have people like this. And he said, no, no, I will prove it to you. Uh, just give me a group of people. Uh, we'll train them for a couple of weeks in Poland with these techniques. And we'll get a control group and we'll repeat the, the study. And that's what happened in 2014. 2014. And they did exactly the same study again. They injected all these people with the, the bacteria. And the people that were trained was a mix of life. It was not, you know, those superhumans or, let's say, super athletes. They were people from all um, yeah, types of professions, even types of ages, and even people that had some chronic diseases. Um, so they repeated the, the study and also the group that was trained did not show any uh, of those symptoms. So that's when they found out that actually by uh, doing this, you can uh, yeah, you can influence your autonomic nervous system and therefore also your immune system. What happened there, which is pretty interesting, that adrenaline shooting up is um, releasing a protein which is called interleukin-10. It's a bit complicated, but it's basically the protein that's an anti-inflammatory. So it will stop the inflammatory uh, agents uh, yeah, coming into your body. And that was one of the big discoveries. So that means that yeah, by doing a specific breathing technique, you can actually influence your immune system and how it reacts to uh, yeah, foreign invaders. It, I know you've written about this in your book as well, near the, near the beginning of your book. In, but I want to bring out the conversation because your book, it has, this is one example, but you really talk about how medicine over recent years, as you said to me, it's become reductionist and we're not living in our environment anymore. And so we really need to get out there. We underestimate the importance of our environment. That's right. So we have evolved in a dialogue with the world around us. And this has been you know, it's integral to our evolution and to our physiology. And we've now changed the world so much that the cues and the signals and the stimulation that we used to get, they have mostly disappeared. And the problem is that something as fundamental as the autonomic nervous system, it's a regulatory network. So it keeps you constant when there's change around you. And it needs to be on its toes a little bit. So if you're not giving it opportunities to essentially exercise itself, it's very possible that it's losing those opportunities, it's losing that training, and it can no longer exert that kind of controlling, calming influence. And um, you're right, so here you talk about the incredibly strong link between the autonomic nervous system and immune modulation. But of course, generally, you're taught the two subjects in a very separate way and and you have to, it's only now that if you're really, taught them at all if you're taught them at all if you're <laughs> taught them at all of course and it's only now that we are kind of linking everything together I and mean, you know we know that for instance we've always known that things like asthma autoimmune conditions are made worse by autonomic modulation but autonomic kind of dis not dysfunction but dysregulation to an effect um we are discovering also that long COVID has got an autonomic dysregulation component. So everything that's related to infection, everything that's related to recovery will have an autonomic component. And it actually ha plays a role in a wide variety of things. But we no longer use the, the environment to kind of massage that seesawing procedure. And, you know, you talk about being in an extreme environment, we all live in such a controlled environment that practices that pull you like an elastic band, 
then kind of remind your autonomic nervous system how to pull, how to kind of snap back to the middle. So we have to constantly stretch it and and do it actively voluntarily because our environment prevents us from doing it. Yeah, and I'm looking at you with the thermostat literally behind your head. So, I mean, you're saying it perfectly. You're standing there with the the control panel behind you. And um, it's not just that, I mean, we're, we're talking here about cold water but but you are a teacher of Bikram yoga as well so in fact the heat exposure and the cold exposure it's the extremes that can really help us re-center. Correct so as soon as you're faced with extreme heat just like when you're faced with extreme cold and you have to shiver that causes your sympathetic nervous system to become much more active so your seesaw tilts and that kind of if you're doing it in a controlled environment, you know it's safe. And so you learn how to bring yourself back to normal. Because, of course, if you're hot and you're flustered, then that's a really bad, bad kind of way forward because then you get even hotter. So you want to calm your nervous system down. Which is where the breathing techniques come in. Which is where the breathing techniques come in. So that's also part of yoga. But yoga also has the, the component of stretching and releasing. So we know that stretching actually increases sympathetic activity. But the moment you release the stretch, it creates a rebound parasympathetic kind of activation. So you're... If you forgot what that felt like, that's why after you stretch, it suddenly feels so good. And of course, muscle contraction releases the same thing. So in hot yoga, you kind of com- combine the two, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be any kind of stimu- any kind of shock to the system where you're doing it in a safe place, but you're learning and your mind is cr- is kind of figuring out the circuits of how to do it do something that's so involuntarily, but do it voluntarily. Yeah. And I just want to um, expand upon that because it's it's not in your book. You, you talk about so many other things and we've spoken as well. Um, I mean, actually, you came into this world of writing, if I remember correctly, you were looking at some papers, scientific papers on eye infections and the link to gut infections. And, the, the, and, and then you went down this rabbit hole. And as you do so well, I mean, if you look at the number of papers you've read to research this book, it's incredible. But tell us about how you even fell into this world and the fact that you read something and you thought that can't be right but you explored it that's right so um we talked about reductionism so um the problem is you know there is so much to know there really is so much to know um and as a physician you cannot know everything and you cannot keep up with everything in all departments um you know if you're an eye surgeon you you know about eye surgery you don't really keep up with i don't know orthopedic surgery of the big toe <laughs> which actually could be related in some, some rare situations. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I actually was first, my, my first memory of, of finding a kind of, of thinking about it is there is a condition um, called CSR. I will just give you the acronym because the name is too off-putting. And it involves a little bit of fluid gathering at the bottom, behind the retina. So you're fine one moment, the next minute you notice a patch of vision um, that's blurred, a coin-sized area usually, that's blurred in the middle of your your, your vision. And you don't know what's causing it. And when you look inside the eye, you find there's a little bit of fluid buildup behind the retina. And when I was training as an ophthalmologist um, and I was learning doing my exams, I learned that this, we didn't know what, why it was happening. We didn't know what caused it, but it was associated with type A 
personalities. And then I thought, gosh, you know, you have you have a a physical syndrome, you know, symptoms and syndrome of blindness caused by stress, caused by your personality. But even there, pausing there, some physician, I mean, that's not a normal kind of path of research as far as I'm aware, to go down to personality routes to think, oh, that's the type A person who's got this. And somebody has made that link. That's already a jump. Somebody has. But, you know, you know, we talk about type A and type B personality. We have long forgotten that that actually has autonomic roots in it. So type A and type B personalities, you know, when we didn't know so much about medicine, we knew a little bit, we knew just a little bit so we could form more connections between those little bits that we knew. And I think it must have been around the 1940s and 50s, possibly sooner, that the connection, Frankenhäuser and others, made the connection between having certain personality types and increasing your risk of heart disease, increasing your your risk of other illness. And then I landed in ophthalmology and it, clearly you see the link with a real viable, you know, a, a, a tangible form of blindness. And then, yes, you're right. And then the gut bacteria followed. <laughs> you know, tell me. So this is what's amazing about you. And I mean, what I want to kind of move on to is, first of all, I want people to go and, and read your book because it, it's so full of, it's dense with information that's just wonderful and completely related to your work. And I can't condense it in the 10-ish minutes we have left. I can't do that. But what I can do is to ask you about how you go about the research. Because like you said, nowadays, we live in a world full of information and as a normal citizen we're not getting the best information but you go to the detail and when I was looking at where you get your information from it's it's varied I mean I don't even know how you find the links that's for me in itself fascinating you have to be a bit nerdy (laughs) but that's marvelous I love a bit of a nerdy (laughs) so I think the way I, I research my books is I look at a topic and when I when I look at papers on that topic, I don't just look at one paper because you can always have, you know, one study and you can always kind of pick that apart and so on. But you always find, you know, we didn't know 20 years ago that you could have gut bacteria that modulate so many aspects of your lives. And now, you know, it's beca- it's forming part of therapy. 20 years ago, we didn't know this. But if you notice how the research gradually, gradually started piling up, you usually have a snowball effect. So you have to wait, you know, you look at the new trends. Don't just dismiss anything that's that sounds crazy, because in 20 years time, it probably won't be. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, you blew my mind yesterday, which I hadn't thought about it. Of course, it's obvious. But you were telling me that the, the gut tract, the intestinal tract, is really the link with the outer and the inner world in our bodies, inside our bodies. And I'd never thought about our digestive system. I mean, you've got a daughter who's a nutritionist, uh, Sasha. I'm turning to you if you're not watching us on RTL Play. <laughs> um, but I had not made that mental leap in my mind. Of course it is that we have this whole system inside us, a tunnel, which is the link between the outside world and our inside world. And it's where the outside becomes our inside because we take bits of the outside world, digest it, and it becomes our own structure. It's, it, it, for me, that was just such a phenomenal mind shift in my own mind to think about it. But you love what you do now, I think. I love what I do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so coming back to you, Georgia and Severin, um, tell us a little bit more about the transformations that you've seen in people's lives. Because, you know, the, the, the day last Sunday when I was there with you, um, there was a 14-year-old there as well and his family, his mother is a yoga teacher. Obviously, <laughs> it's a, a real passion for the yogis. Um, but that morning, you'd been out in Mulatal and this 
this was a cold morning and you showed us photos of the group who'd done the five week course with you wearing uh, bikinis or uh, no t-shirts as they walk along for 30 minutes and then getting into the, the waters. That's correct, yeah. <laughs> and it was really, it was a really challenging day because like you said, this is the, f- the second group that did the five weeks course and the first one was in October. So they were treated a little bit more gentle. But this one here, it was, I think it was like minus three and there was a very cold wind. But um, yeah, those were people like you who participated to the first workshop and they said, wow, what's happening? What's happening here? And they were feeling all these benefits and they decided that they wanted to go further uh, because the workshop on, on Sunday is just it's one one time. Uh, but then, you know, uh, you start understanding the potential that, you, that you're going to tap in. So uh, yeah, we, uh, we always do like a, a very nice closure at the end of those five weeks where we go bring them into nature. And actually what we what we because we had a we had a, a chat about it yesterday uh, with them uh, yeah things have come back always that they feel much more energy they feel much more stable mentally because the, one of the things that yeah we, we they always tell us you know ice bath we have them the whole in our lives every day you know it's just a metaphor and they say when something difficult is happening either at work or at home or whatever uh, maybe someone is stealing your parking place <laughs> it could be something as trivial as that but they are able to regulate themselves much better and be much more calmer and have a much better and much more intelligent response uh, towards what's happening in their lives. Uh, but I think what's, what we hear really across the board is having much more energy. Uh, and you know, what do you do in life when you don't have energy? That's the thing, the most basic thing that we, that we need. No energy is, yeah, we can't do anything that we want to do in, in our lives. And that's really coming back uh, every time that we hear this. Mental stability and much more energy. Do you have something to add on this, uh, Severine? Yeah, I mean, we had a lady who was at a workshop with you and she uh, she recently started running and she tracks it. And the day after the workshop, she was much faster. Oh, my <laughs> yeah, goodness. Yeah. yeah. So that's all. I mean, she said, is, is it a coincidence or not? But whatever. But, uh, Which lady yeah. was that? Uh, hello to... It was Nicole. Hello, Nicole, <laughs> if you're watching. And congratulations. I think you'll be following this up then. <laughs> <laughs> we had such a varied I mean that was the lovely thing the workshop was so varied and full and people I mean w- when I put the picture I must say it was I, I didn't know what to think of this when I put the picture that you kindly took of me and you said smile because I don't think I was quite smiling at the time of me <laughs> sitting in the ice bath I got more traction on that photo than I have of political interviews so all I can say is that there's um, <laughs> we need more ice baths in place of politics <laughs> 100% yeah, well, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a very brave and a very personal story i'm not i'm not surprised that you get much more traction everybody that puts this picture on on social media with these kinds of things you know people uh, i think they notice the courage that, that it's needed to do this because you go out of your comfort zone of course we are there to guide you but you do it yourself and i think that's also the very powerful thing of the workshop is that you show to yourself that you are can do things that uh, you, you were not thinking you were able to you know, to do before. I know I would not have done that if you weren't there, both of you and the other people around us. You you form a brilliant support group and it's it's that what gives us the courage to start to make that first, I would say, leap, not a step. It's a leap into that. But just in our closing minutes, um, for people who can't afford your workshop, although I think it's, it is affordable uh, for those in Luxembourg and it's, it's wonderful. I mean, even if you just do, rather than the five-week course, that one afternoon, it's, um, it's a really great mind shift. It's a really brilliant introduction. You give so much information. But what could somebody listening, wherever they are in the world, what would you suggest they do in their lives to try to minimise that kind of 
low level stress that we have in our daily lives or even ramping up to chronic stress that some people are living with? What would be your... So your actually, I would, I would recommend if you're living in our part of the world, then use your local, use your local sauna, use your local um, spa centre. I mean, we have an amazing resource here known as Mondorf, um, which has capitalised on this. But, you know, in ancient cultures, when we didn't have this, if you go to Japan right now, there's a really um, famous tradition of sitting under ice cold water waterfalls and not moving. And if you can't do that, then actually just sitting in an ice cold lake and meditating. And that's been part of a tradition for a very long time in Japan, long before we had these systematized and, and you know, made into, into boxes. So just have a brush with nature and do something that involves autonomic modulation, I'd say. Heating, cooling, um, exercise is another thing. And of course, yoga and, and, and breathing exercises, all of those. And maybe to complete what you're saying, I mean, it doesn't need to take much time and doesn't need to be expensive at all. We all have a shower at home. We all need to shower. And now, you know, with the prices going up, it might also be... Save us money. Save us money. Yeah. Save us money just, on the cold showers try, and do the Wim Hof method. Just try to just to put this, the, the, the shower on cold at the end for a couple of, of seconds and see what it does. Uh, I think it, you, it, you will be surprised. And exhale while you do it. Uh, exhale yeah. while you do it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but any type of conscious breathing, whether it's yoga techniques or other techniques, there are so many techniques. There's oxygen advantage, also something that we teach to uh, to people. It's a moment in your in your day to do some conscious breathing. All, already with that, you are influencing your nervous system and you're rebalancing it. So it doesn't need to take any time. It doesn't need to be any expensive at all. Yeah. And then just to kind of finally recap, since we've mentioned it, gut health. Have you any words of wisdom on what we can do to help our gut, which, as you've said, has been snowballing into our consciousness nowadays. So one golden rule, avoid ultra-processed food like the plague. Do not eat anything. In fact, don't even worry about ultra. Avoid all processed food. Um, just two days ago, there was a study on erythritol, which is a sweetener. Apparently, it increases the risk of, of heart disease, which we didn't know. Um, er erythritol is already known to affect gut bacteria, so maybe that's a pathway. We don't know. But the bottom line is we have... We've assumed we are too too clever for the world around us and we forget that there are all these other organisms inside us. So absolutely, golden rule, avoid processed food of any kind. Just to follow that up with another question, <laughs> I'm sure, Sasha, you know a little bit more about this living with a nutritionist daughter. Um, when I sometimes buy fruit and veg, it doesn't really go off in the way that I think is natural. Mm -hmm. So when you say processed food... There's a lot of stuff that's processed. You're absolutely right. So in an ideal world, grow your own. Oh, <laughs> okay. Then I'll just add that to my so, list. <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't. Uh, I'm a really bad gardener. I also have hay fever, so it's really not my area at all. But yeah, you're right. We have processed so many aspects of food. I mean, you can't go and buy a pot of yogurt without having other stuff in it. So yes, do it, do it as much as you can. I mean... You're right. Even with fruits and vegetables, there's something not quite natural Normal. about it. <laughs> but, you know, that's how that's how we have to be. But within that framework, it's still possible to just actively read every ingredient on anything you buy. Don't worry about people looking at, looking at you in an odd way on the aisle. I do that all the time. <laughs> um, and, and but, you know, it is it is really much more important than we used to give it credit for. Really much more important. Preservatives, emulsifiers, you know, 
it's not just because they have a chemical name. Everything has a chemical name. There's H2O, which is in everything. Um, but it's the fact that they have an action on gut bacteria that is yeah. much more important. Which we're only beginning to understand. Well, it's been such a joy to talk to you all and to bring you together as well. I knew that you'd get on. Sasha, have you enjoyed the show? I've loved it. I'm so interested. So you'll be going home and taking a cold shower? Well, I... I You'll think about it. (laughs) I feel I should try. I mean, it feels a bit to me like turning the clock back, actually, when I sort of think about what my parents were doing. And, you know, it's it's the advice. You kind of think, well, this is what generations before us were doing. And maybe we've just all gone a bit soft and we kind of need to toughen up again. And that actually we have much more in our control than... And the, but the question I'm dying to ask you is, have you had much criticism? Have you been accused of quackery and rights, the established medical, you know, authorities that are kind of saying, you can't tell people that this is going to help? Well, what's really interesting, we had a doctor, I think it was two days ago, who uh, participated to a private workshop because she's really interested into uh, yeah, uh, gut biome and, and how, how that can be improved. And she's looking for, let's yeah, say, other ways, other techniques to combine. So I think that uh, the medical world is, especially with all the work that Wim Hof is doing uh, regarding scientific research, is opening up uh, very quickly to, uh, to these kinds of benefits. And like you, you said, those are things that have been done for ages so uh, it's not uh, something new and something that we are discovering today it now we're getting the scientific back uh, background behind it and get it backed up so i think it will only improve uh, from now on if well I, if i may, may say something else so i'm i'm very aware of this conversation um i think you know the the, the, the thing is you have to um if you're careful with what you claim then there's no, there's, you know, you, you can say you feel really good. You can say your clients are doing really well. And no one can argue with that. You know, it's when you're making more specific claims, then you're, it's, it's better to make those claims based on literature and research, which I think is what Hoff is doing. But it's more kind of, um, I think the, the, the criticisms come from kind of saying this will do X to you when actually you don't need to say that. It's, it's doing amazing things without making that claim. And we, it's, it's also the case in yoga and, and in various other, other fields. Well, you're sending us on our way to really change our lives, to embrace nature more, which I'm trying to do. I'm forced to do every day with my dog, come rail, hail, uh, rain, hail, whatever the weather, I'll be out there. And I think of, I, I, I can absolutely tell our viewers and listeners what I did with you last weekend sits in my mind and I'm really trying to put it into my my daily practice whether it be going out into the cold I keep thinking oh yes I can walk out into the cold weather uh, th- this, this doesn't hurt at all I, I can go I even think about my dog walk without certain layers of clothing but not quite I'm not quite there in a bikini on a dog walk in minus two degrees Celsius yet but thank you all so much for coming in I don't want to scare my neighbours <laughs> thank you very much for having me thank you for the invitation oh, well. my great pleasure thank you for showing me the work that you do and I invite everybody to go and try it out. Mm-hmm.